It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Least Woke Man in America, a podcast dedicated to constantly fighting for the United States of America as we know it, with a constitution that protects individual freedom and fighting against what we call Proghelia, the meatless, gunless, godless, crime-ridden, abortion-filled hellhole the progressive left wants to create in the United States of America. So I'm sure many of you have heard about these major situation in East Palestine, East Palestine, excuse me, Ohio. A little what we call a producer recap. I'll give you some facts here for all you busy, hardworking, tax-paying, law-abiding, family-raising citizens who don't necessarily hear all the details of the story. If you're a non-producer, if you're on welfare, if you're a trust fund baby who works 10, hour, 10 hours a week teaching people how to do body painting, then you probably don't need the re, re, uh, producer recap because you have unlimited time to do the research yourself. Maybe you can even research stuff for me and email me some bullet points because I am one busy son of a gun. So East Palestine, Ohio, town of approximately 5,000 people, a Norfolk Southern train derailed there February 3rd. Just to show you how long this has gone on for, I'm recording this on February 22nd. This has gone on for a long, long time now, and God bless those people, not just in East Palestine, but the surrounding area that have had to deal with this. And this is a major problem. I know in the title of the podcast, I say, Mini Chernobyl, obviously the environmental impact, the number of, there's no deaths so far. Uh, so it's not as bad as Chernobyl. I know that, but there's a lot of parts to this we need to talk about because they resemble it. Not maybe, not necessarily the event itself, even though it's obviously environmental catastrophe making people sick, but the government handling of it. Okay. So the train derails on February 3rd, it catches on fire. The decision is to let the train burn. It's impossible at that time to get the fire out and especially to deal with all the pollutants. The EPA tells the people it's okay and safe to be in the area. I mean, the videos are just stunning. I saw some a video yesterday. It's like there's cars driving around within a block of where this stuff is burning up. It reminds me sometimes when they have those wildfires in California. And when you're in the Northeast, like I am, and you're not familiar with all this stuff, you'll see this mountain on fire with a highway next to it. And cars are driving like it's no big deal. So I don't know what guidance those people are given. But um, so the cars are driving uh, back and forth right next to it. And it just stunned me. It really did. And so far, as of Friday, I heard Ben Shapiro saying, I confirm this, 42,000 aquatic animals have died between fish, amphibians, birds, uh, ducks, geese, etc. I have 42,000. So this isn't some Alex Jones conspiracy thing. This is real. It's an environmental mess. 
where the government and uh, we believe a lot of us believe lied uh, to their credit. Even some far left people aren't carrying the Biden administration's water. John Stewart, Rosie O'Donnell have come out. Uh, Aaron Brockovic have come out and clearly said this is an environmental mess and the EPA is lying. Of course, the EPA, you know, they they, they set a new standard for lying with the 9-11 uh, bombings and ground zero in New York City saying that was unhealthy. Of course, we all know the subsequent damage done from that as far as people getting sick and dying, first responders, etc. We're just coming off the COVID situation where there was lie after lie between masks and social distancing and then the crown jewel as far as the vaccine and no side effects. And yet we're still talking about COVID and COVID cases. If it was a real vaccine that was going to be as effective as they said, why are we even still talking about COVID? So there's a truth crisis to begin with, and then this train derailment takes place, and the fire starts. And really, the reason I'm the environmental part, like I said, reminds me of Chernobyl, but the also the cracks that it shows within our country. Look at Loudmouth Behar, evil Behar, as I call her. She made got on there, pointed right to the camera, and said, "You people in East Palestine." You voted for Trump because East Palestine, the county East Palestine is in, voted 70% for Donald Trump. So some of these lefties, especially on social media, of course, can't help themselves to equating um, county voted for Trump, almost kind of a ha ha ha, you got what you deserve. Very sick stuff. And I'll tell you why this is sick. These are the same people who are going crazy about Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments a week or two ago about how about, you know, a great national divorce as far as maybe it's time for the red states and blue states to break up. And they had a meltdown and how crazy she is. And she's a little, you know, Trump acolyte. And this is how you start civil wars. Well, wait a second. When now we have a situation where a natural disaster takes place or man-made disaster, whatever you want to call it, a disaster takes place. We now uh, look, point back, sit back. We look at the presidential election returns for that area. And then both the citizens, media people, government people, we decide how much empathy we have, how much we care, blah, blah, blah. My God, that's almost like a soft civil war, I guess you could call it, which is ridiculous. I mean, look at what Benton Midler said. Remember when Joe Manchin, when it support, I got, I think it was Build Back Better. And Bette Midler came out with that crazy tweet about um, West people in West Virginia being all stupid and strung out. You can Google it. You'll find it pops right up. So now you don't see a fentanyl crisis. You see people who voted for Donald Trump who are addicted to drugs and dying. So you don't feel that way. See, I, this is one of those situations where it gives us such a deep dive into the psyche and soul of the American left as opposed to the American right. Take, for example, Chicago. When I, as a white, conservative, gun-supporting male, I look at the death numbers in Chicago, and I'm disgusted, I'm appalled that happens in this country, not just from a pride standpoint, but from a human standpoint, that the United States of America, with almost a $900 billion defense budget, and that doesn't include cops, FBI, the CIA, People cannot walk down the street, the city of Chicago. Are a lot of those people that die drug users and gang members? Yes. But there is countless stories in Chicago across around this country of uh, young black people, Latino people, Hispanic people, elderly black people, et cetera, 
being shot, going to church, walking down the street, etc. I mean, as bad is that shooting was in Buffalo. I had a podcast about that. Remember the top supermarket last year? It was horrific, right? A lot of the uh, white supremacists walked to a black su- uh, supermarket in a black black area, killed a lot of black people, including an old elderly man sec- security guard who tried to stop him with his pistol and having bulletproof body armor and an AR-15. Unfortunately, the elderly gentleman died. But the point is, yes, that was all horrific. A lot of people died. But it's, it, it, as far as the actual numbers, it's, it's infinitesimal compared to the number of black people die in cities across this country. And, and uh, yes, is, is there a is there a group within the right wing, within the Republican Party, within conservatives, within white people that say, oh, roll their eyes, say, oh, yeah, it's just N-words. There's nothing you can do about it. Of course there is. And that's not, but that is not the majority. Where I live in here in the Syracuse, New York area, I think it was about a month ago, a 13-year-old black girl, uh, middle school student, high honor roll. I can't remember all the accomplishments. She was one of those kids. She's just smart. She's in all types of social organizations. She's just, all the teachers love her. Shot and killed in crossfire in Syracuse, New York, and died. Okay? So that's a tragedy. Now, on that bothers me. I know a lot of other white Trump voting people in this area. Who are talking about, like, oh my God, did you hear about that girl in Syracuse? Blah, blah, blah. And she's black. And she, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure probably her family and the zip code she lived in voted heavily for Joe Biden. But when a person, innocent person, dies walking across the street, we don't go on Google and look at the zip code in county like Joey Behar does to try to figure out whether or not what action should we take or how much empathy or what should compassion we have. And at the same time, with that type of mentality, blasting a member of Congress who talks about a great national divorce. How could you say that's not taking place right now by the response we're seeing here? So this is some sick stuff. It really is, as far as people's attitudes towards this. And then the top and then to top it all off, our fearless transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. Flew in three weeks later. I'll get to that when we come back. So in Ohio, a train comes off the tracks. A huge fire starts. Toxic chemicals are burning up. People are getting sick. 42,000 fish and birds and amphibians have died. And three weeks later, in a pair of dress shoes at the site, is United States Transportation Secretary or Secretary of Transportation, Peter Buttigieg. You know, there's so many things that are so many, they're so crazy about this whole situation with Pete Buttigieg. First of all, transportation, Secretary of Transportation, sorry, I keep saying that wrong. How many times, if you involve politics closely, like I do and probably many of you do, do you even hear about the Secretary of Transportation during the administration, during the administration, a presidential administration? I mean, we knew that you'd hear Trump's a lot, that Elaine Chow, because it was Mitch McConnell's wife, right? I had to Google who George W. Bush's transporta- Secretary of Transportation was. I, I, I had to because uh, it was Norman Mineta, who was a holdover from Bill Clinton's. He was Bill Clinton's Secretary of Transportation. So I'm like, and then Obama's, I had to think about it. First, I thought, it was uh, that that squirrel that rode his bike to work every day. Remember the Obama, only the Obama administration, right? But no, that was their Secretary of uh, Energy, Stephen Chow, I think his name was Stephen Cho or something like that. 
So Ray LaHood, the Republican congressman, then I remember that Ray LaHood. So Obama also had a somebody from the other party as his secretary of transportation, which shows that such a second tier, second tier cabinet position, they literally grab a no name from the other party, throw them in there. Then they can run around saying, we are a bipartisan administration. That's how we love how much we care about the American people and everybody getting along and compromising and kumbaya and peace and love and blah, 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 blah. We are bipartisan. We are not a bunch of hate-munging hacks here. Look at us, everybody. And they grab the guy and throw him in front of the camera. This is our Secretary of Transportation. He's from the other political party. That's how much we don't care about this job. So next thing you know, Pete Buttigieg is Biden's Secretary of Transportation, mainly because he's such a shrewd operator. Remember during the Democratic primary, he wouldn't leave the primary, even though it was clear he wasn't going to win. So... um, he, you know, it, it, they wanted him out. Remember, they want him to consolidate with Biden. That way, there was no way Bernie Sanders could win. I know there's so much going on, has gone on in this country uh, since those primaries, because right, right, literally around the time of the Iowa uh, caucus is when COVID started. About three weeks later, there was COVID, so it was just a lot going on at that time. But that's how it played out. So Buttigieg is a shrewd political operator, always has been. Pete Buttigieg's life has been manufactured, he has manufactured a life about Pete Buttigieg for Pete Buttigieg. I mean, look at the Democratic primary. First of all, I mean, he was a smart kid, valedictorian of high school. He wrote an essay, uh, got some award from the JFK Profiles of Courage essay award or something like that. His father was a Marxist sympathizer. So he was, he's been running since, he's one of those guys he's been running for president since middle school. Let's put it that way. And then, in the Democratic primary, he made sure everybody knew he was the Harvard-educated, gay, Christian, Afghanistan vet. Harvard-educated, gay, Christian, Afghanistan vet. Harvard-educated, gay, Christian, Afghanistan vet. If someone was in the room with Pete Buttigieg, they were going to know by the end of the day that Pete Buttigieg was the Harvard-educated, gay, Christian, Afghanistan vet. So who then... You know, even despite all that going on, Pete Buttigieg, being a Christian, was pulled up into heaven. I don't don't think many of you know this. Where Jesus told him, Pete, you're going to be persecuted like I was persecuted, being gay. Just like the religious leaders persecuted me, the Republicans are going to persecute you. But despite that, I need you to go down to a small town in South Bend, Indiana, and save those poor white working class fools from who they are. And that's who Pete Buttigieg was. He was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, um, to being by being the gay Christian. If, and he wasn't gay, you know, he was, uh, only came out of the closet in 2008 or nine. <laughs> so there's just so many interesting things about Pete Buttigieg. The next thing you know, I guess he had a hissy fit about the, uh, not being treasury secretary or secretary of state. So he becomes transportation secretary. And you could tell he never took the job seriously from day one. And the problem is, I mean, I think even the people like we talked about before weren't superstars. You don't have to be, but you at least have to pay attention because first of all, his first mess was remember the ships were all backed up in California. Remember that? And he was on his 60 day paternity leave. Him and his husband, Chaston, uh, were, you know, had just had babies. You know, I, I thought about that at the time. It's just so funny. I told people, you, <laughs> boy, 20 years ago, 
say 2002, if you would have told me that the United States Secretary of Transportation would be laying in bed with his husband and a couple babies on a 60-day paternity leave when ships were backing up at a port in California because of a pandemic that started in a Chinese escape from a Chinese lab, which is true now, even though we weren't allowed to say it at the time, one of many things we were not allowed to do or talk about during the COVID pandemic, and that ships were backed up because Americans were buying so much stuff off the internet with printed money that was created because of the pandemic. I would have thought you were gosh darn crazy. I would have said, Man, fentanyl wasn't around back then. I don't know what was. I don't get into that stuff. But I would have wondered what you were smoking up, smoking to come up with such a story. But no, that's that's what happened. Pete Buttigieg was in charge of transportation. The ships were backing up. He was nowhere to be found, which seems to be a prevailing theme with him. Then there was obviously the big mess with the airlines. What was that, last year? Bill O'Reilly, to his credit, was the one that kind of started that because a video went viral, the normal uh, Twitter, social media, ha, 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 look at Bill O'Reilly, the, the big, normal, angry white male he always has been, and blah, blah. Yeah, well, Bill O'Reilly was onto something, and he was one of the few people at the time reporting it, that the airlines were a mess, the delays, the cancellations, the abject dishonesty where flights were planned, and there was no pilot anywhere to be seen. That's the problem Bill O'Reilly had with the flight he was supposed to take, I think it was to the uh, uh, the Caribbean at the time. And so, and a lot of people sitting there at JFK or, at, or LaGuardia, wherever it was, came up to him and thanked him afterwards for putting his foot down saying, what in the heck is going on here? So anyways, that was a huge mess with the airlines. There was a Southwest mess. And now this mess, and it's all happened under Buttigieg. That, that's what is so incredible to me. Here is this manufactured, howdy-doody political stooge who has wanted to be president since he's been in middle school. <laughs> and he is the first, he has found a way to make his house, almost become a household name as secretary of the transportation. So he gives a press conference, right? And in the press conference, he uh, he says he has a, they ask him a question. He goes, well, I lost, he stops for a second, smiles, goes, well, I kind of lost my train of thought. Now, a lot of people are talking about that. I said, there's only three options. Okay. He really did just lose his train of thought, which we all do from time to time, right? Uh, but he might also, it might be like really, really losing his train of thought along with wearing dress shoes at a toxic site because he might be having a psychological meltdown because this guy has had, you know, 30 years invested in becoming Pete Buttigieg and now he's kind of a disaster. I don't think by any means this is the end of Pete Buttigieg. A lot of people say, oh, his career is over. I don't think that for a second. He's only 40 years old. He's one cunning little character. I think he'll either uh, he'll sit back, he'll go to Vermont or some liberal state, be a carpetbagger like Hillary Clinton and some other people have done, run for Senate, maybe take Bernie Sanders' spot, or go back to Indiana and become like mayor of Indianapolis or a, a congressman from that area, a liberal district there. But he's not done yet, by any means. Or the third option could be that he um, was almost like a joke, train of thought, get it? Where this whole thing he considers such a joke and doesn't care about it. And like we said before, it happened in a big Trump area and that the right is just pumping this thing up, even though there's liberal environmental act, uh, activists who are concerned about this big time. And he's making a joke to like kind of the corporate left, which he is more part of. He is not the Bernie Sanders grassroots left. He is the corporate Wall Street, Hollywood left. Make no mistake about it. He is their guy. He is in that kind of uh, Hillary the Clinton 
uh, area of the Democratic Party, and he knows that, and he knows that, and so, and they can't take the none of the group has really taken any of this seriously. So a joke, like a ha ha, towards them. I lost my train of thought. I can't wait to get out, get get in my uh, flight, go back home to chat Chaston, and forget any of this ever happened. So that could be what's going on here. But um, like I said, the whole thing is just a sick mess. It really, uh, and it also shows back to the Chernobyl thing. So we have the dishonesty, the incompetence, and the infrastructure. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's because our rail system is that bad. That's what's so scary. We're going into this uh, period in this country where so much money to be pulled from Social Security and Medicare. Uh, we have the Russia situation, the CCP with China getting aggressive. All of all of every, what everything I just mentioned cost a fortune. With infrastructure, most of it was built, you know, in the 1950s on. Especially the high, not as much the railroads, but the highways and stuff. So there's just a lot being exposed, in my opinion, in this situation. And there's one more thing that drives me nuts is that. Now, recently, and I've seen this play out so many times over the years with, with things like this, where you have the event, it's terrible, it's completely mishandled by government officials, and then comes the complete overreaction to show that they care. And in this instance, is now we're all going to slap handcuffs on the owners, the people in charge at Norfolk Southern. Maybe something criminal happened. Probably not. You could say something. There's negligence, there's gross negligence, and then there's criminality. And I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I basically know that I was CPA at one point. Um, and I'm sure there's a million nuances I'm missing. But the point is, we make it very hard on purpose. Every time something a bit goes wrong in a business to slap handcuffs on the people in charge of the owner. You know why? Because, well, first of all, we protect individuals in this country for the time being. We don't you know, that's why wokeism and wokeness is such a threat because it's a mob mentality where, well, I'm not going to go into it now, but I will be doing, as I mentioned before, another podcast uh, on wokeness coming up soon. What is wokeness, right? What is woke? What is wokeism? So it's a mob mentality. We, we take the individual. We don't say, we don't get emotion. We are emotional beings, but we don't say like, well, the train derailed, let's go kill every, let's go kill the people in charge. We say, well, what's the facts? What were the intentions? What exactly happened? That's the legal system. Then within that, you have mistakes, negligence, gross negligence, and criminal uh, situations. And we don't, we go by the facts because if you demonize and criminalize everything that goes wrong in a business, there's only so many people who want to own a business, run a business, and can finance a business. So if you make it impossible, or if a person says, well, I can invest in a business or run a business where I could just take my money and put in a CD somewhere and earn 1% and I have to worry about going to jail, you have just really hurt the entire concept of business in this country. And no matter how anti-business you are or think you are and are proud to be, remember before we talked about anti-war, I am anti-war, then there's the, I am anti-capitalist. You know what I mean? I've seen people, I've got talking the level of delusion. I've seen people driving BMWs to live 500,000 one million dollar houses bernie sanders there you go who are anti-capitalist bernie sanders millionaire two houses one on a lake in vermont he is anti-capitalist delusional self-deceived idiots so you can say you're anti-capitalism i've never met an anti-capitalist person who doesn't benefit somehow between products services stocks jobs for themselves and their family from capitalism so now we're talking about criminal running around with handcuffs and arresting whoever's in charge. Give me a freaking break. You got, you got a president that looks every time you look at him, you just every time he talks, 
you just wait. You think a spoonful of applesauce any minute is going to be going towards his mouth. You got a secretary of transportation that shows up three weeks after the fire in a pair of dress shoes um, who looks like he's on another planet. And then the uh, goal, now the new thing is to arrest. Now the, the Norfolk Southern executives, who of course have not been angels in this situation. The PR on their part has been awful as well. So I'm not trying to sound like some uh, cookie cutter, white male Republican conservative with a collared shirt sticking up for corporate people. That's not the case at all. On this podcast, for those, those of you listening, not, you know I'm very tough on the corporate Republicans, because I blame them for a lot of the rise of wokeness in this country to begin with, because of their cowardly attitude towards social media trends. So, so that's that in a nutshell. I know it's a lot. It needed to be covered. It's an important event. It's an important situation. It's important for the people in Ohio. Uh, I'm surprised GoFundMe sites haven't been set up. I don't know what it's a working class town. It's not like a lot of those people can just jump in a car and, and go somewhere. It's a sick mess. It's not over yet. God only knows what the long-term health repercussions sh shall be. So it's important for those people. And it's important for the the the, the fissures that it's, it's showing in our country between people's attitudes, the incompetence, the dis continued government dishonesty, whether it's, you know, like I say, the, 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 that, that cross-section where that inter they love, you know, they love intersectionality. Well, there's, you know, where the intersection of science and government where no one is allowed to question anything yet we continually get hit with a parade of lies and it's just really repulsive i so the next podcast coming up we will be talking about how we won in tennessee there was a major victory in tennessee dates to matt walsh the daily wire i don't know if any of you know this legislation has been passed to outlaw gender mutilation among children and vaccine in, in tennessee the fact that that even he needs to be Passed in the first place in a red state is just jaw-dropping to me. I did a podcast about this in the summer because I was just stunned by all of it. It's still proliferating around the country, so this is just one step, but it shows how powerful and important conservative grassroots activism and action, not just when it comes to elections, especially presidential elections, but there's a million things that could be taking place out there to help with the situations, the preventing of evil, the holding back of evil and doing good. So that podcast will be coming up. Until then, God bless all of you. And thank you for joining another episode of The Least Woke Man in America.